0: I've always said the speed kills and everything from sports to, you know, customer service turnaround. You've got to be fast. you got to be reachable. And there's various elements of the speed game. You know, it's not just how fast I can answer my phone or how fast I can get a file done, but it's everything It's providing the solution. It's having that conversation in five minutes where you know exactly what you're doing.
1: The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Rowan Smith. I don't recall how Rowan got on my radar, but I had heard from numerous people that he's a smart dude and that he owns a company called Citywide Financial that does about $600 a year in volume. And he's like, you got to talk to Rowan. And he did not disappoint. Rowan's very much a straight shooter. A couple of big takeaways I got from this episode, we really dove into one of his specialties is the B space and private lending as an area that he's really had a lot of success with. So a couple of things he talked about was speed kills, talks about the importance of speed in terms of communication with referral partners and clients, and also about lender turnaround times. So like, how do you actually, do that well, right? We also have some of the script about how to sell a private deal. So if a client thinks they're an A, but unfortunately they're a B, he gave me some scripting on how to do that well. And then the last thing I asked him about was some advice that you'd give to anyone who wants to do more B business. So he gave us some insights there on how he would go about growing into the B space, if that's something you want to do. Also today on Ask the Experts, I've got Reuven Gorsch from Dita.ca, and we talk about a virtual closing. So how a client can literally sign, like not even have to go to the lawyer's office. They can do everything virtually through d2.ca. We talk about what is a virtual closing? How does it work? What are the details? You can check out d if You're in Canada anyway, and you want to do a virtual closing and avoid a trip to the real estate office. It's a pretty sweet service and a great setup. So check out that episode with Reuben. Finally, if you are listening to this and you want to scale your mortgage business, we've got an academy called 10loansamonth.com. And in it, we've got some amazing coaches that all have a unique superpower and we only open it up a few times a year so you can go check that out get on the list so that when the next time we open it we can send you an invite and you can find out how we can help you scale your mortgage business thanks again for checking out this episode check out this expert with Reuven and also with rowan my guest today hey rowan welcome to the show
0: hey thanks for having me
1: so first question tell me a little bit about how did you get into the mortgage business because no one in kindergarten said when i grow up i want to be a mortgage broker so what was your path to this industry
0: that's exactly what i tell everybody i never set out to do this i mean i came up and i was in automotive racing and it started off you know in parts delivery and this kind of thing and i was just watching guys in that industry get shattered and thought i'd take a summer job at a bank and i took a summer job at a bank and they were flexible with me through university and stayed on there and my father was a realtor and he kept saying to me, you got to get into this business you got to get into this business and you know we'll be a great one-two punch and then he kind of approached retirement and then right at the 11th hour of his retirement i got into business and made the jump because I was watching the mobile bank reps, and I was at Coast Capital Savings at the time, and I was watching what they were making. And I was like, this is preposterous compared to me and the branch. Mm-hmm. And went, and took my broker license, and made some outrageous demands for wage increases, which they didn't grant me. And so I went out on my own at that point. And that's 16 years ago. So I was seven years at the bank and then 16 years now brokering.
1: Right. And so there's kind of three things that I want to chat with you, but we had kind of had a pre-chat before this. But so the first is speed. So how important do you think speed is in terms of your success that you've had in the mortgage business, as well as why clients refer you?
0: It's everything. I've always said the speed kills in everything from sports to you know customer service turnaround. You've got to be fast. You got to be reachable. And there's various elements of the speed game. You know, It's not just how fast I can answer my phone or how fast I can get a file done, but it's everything. It's providing the solution. It's having that conversation in five minutes where you know exactly what you're doing.
1: Right, right. Okay. So what are some areas that you feel like if somebody wants to get better at, you know, doing things quickly, what areas do you think they should focus on?
0: First and foremost, and I mean many other people have said this before, is answer your phone, move quickly, get back to people right away. Nobody is waiting for hours for me to return their phone call. It's a matter of minutes. And that first and foremost, I lost a deal once because I took like three hours to call somebody back. And it just burned me. It burned me because it was such an easy file once I heard it, but afterwards, and it was only because I was lazy or what I perceived as lazy. Right. In my early part of my career, I used to say, and I don't say this any longer, but I used to say on my voicemail, I'm available nine to nine, seven days a week, and I'll return your call within two hours. And I did. I was merciless about it. And it got me a bunch of clients and a bunch of referral sources who couldn't get hold of their usual guy.
1: Right. So now what is your typical response time? What's on your voicemail now Then, if you don't have nine to nine, seven days a week? I don't put any
0: service expectations. I just say, you missed me and I'll call you back. But I call people back very quickly. It's usually within a matter of minutes. And I think that's a big thing for a realtor sitting there at eight o'clock on a Sunday. Now I don't want to take that call. I mean, nobody wants to take that call, but they're sitting there in negotiations because offers were held back until five o'clock on Sunday. They all get submitted. The client's sitting there going, Rowan, you told me 700,000 mortgage was the max. I need 725. Can I get it? I got to go in subject free. If I can't answer that phone call or be ready for it, and I hate that phone call. But uh, being that person has got me referral sources that I've been working with now for 15, 16 years.
1: Right, okay. So then any other areas that you think where speed applies, like just communication, what other kind of key areas do you think that you're good at with speed or that you focus on in order to deliver like that experience?
0: The next one is definitely lender turnaround, And you get lender turnaround by being a company that has a good reputation with the lenders, that has good relationships with lenders, that does enough volume that you're going to get that dedicated service, dedicated underwriting, you're going to get a file turned around quickly. But I've always said, I don't care how fast a lender can commit. They have to also have fast document review because that's ultimately where the deal lives or dies. So we have good relationships with our lender partners. We have enough volume in our firm that we get the service that we need. That whole turnaround, especially in a market like this, where realtors are always asking me, how many days do we need for subject removal? Like, Can we tighten it up from five to three? And I'm like, well, yeah, but you know, it's putting pressure on the system. I'll work fast enough. Don't worry about that. It's all the other people involved from the appraisers to the inspectors to all that kind of stuff. So lender turnaround's the next big one.
1: Right. And the key thing, the distinction that you said there that I think is important is it's not just the commitment. It's actually, did they look at the documents? Because if you send everything in and it like, doesn't get looked at, then it does create more delays, right?
0: Yeah, there's a plague in our industry right now. I talk about this all the time, which is lenders will say, we can commit you know, within 24 hours. And I go, great, what's your doc review time? And they go, well, it's about 72 hours. And then you get in that horrible trap that every broker knows where you submit a file, you got five days for subject removal, you take 24 hours to get the commitment back. And that's assuming you jumped on it, like I said. Then it's three days for them to review documents. Now, if you were appropriately prepared, you have a full document package or as close as you can get, you send that in. If they ask for anything, you're gonna send it in on day four now and you need three more days because right. they're going to wait. The whole day. So if you don't have a relationship to either jump the queue, because your deal matters, mm-hmm. or that the lender, you don't do enough volume with them that they're just looking at you're just another guy on the line, then that's a tricky thing. So it's who you align yourself with is important too.
1: Right? Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, it's really good advice. So then lender relationships are key turnaround times and files. Is there anything else that you think where people can apply this idea of, of speed to their mortgage business? Mm-hmm.
0: No. Big one says client communication is number one and communication back to the realtor if you're dealing with them. That's a big one too. Just because yep. they all know brokers. Everybody knows a broker. You know, there's yep. sometimes I'll go to dinner and I'll sit in a nice restaurant in Vancouver and see three of them in the same room with me. So right. they're all out there. We're all in the same space. And it's the one thing that we can compete on that we control directly.
1: Right. So another area I want to talk about was this idea of being solutions driven. And I know that you said that when we were chatting before, tell me about your split of A to B business. I'd love to know just like percentage wise from volume as well as revenue, just out of curiosity. Well,
0: like it's changed so much over the years too. Like when I first got into this, this is back in the days of like the accredited home lenders and you know, Wells Fargo and all these guys were in the space. And it kind of changed because I was taking all comers in the beginning. And as my volumes increased, more and more of it became a business just because more and more people found me. It's kind of settled down now where I'm probably 60, 40, A to B. But that 40 of B, 30 of that 40 is probably private.
1: Right. And then what is the split of revenue? So how's that look? Well, the From inverse, exactly. It's probably exactly the opposite. The private pays more per dollar. Right. Uh, there's more work. There are more difficult files to do, right? So there's more nuance to them.
0: They can be. You see, this is the thing about private lending. When I got into this business, private lending was up in a pedestal to me. It was like, oh, these are the guys that do the really tricky files, all this kind of stuff. And then I brought the first one in to one of the partners I worked with, and he walked me through it. And it was funding it directly through an investor, not through a mic. And he showed me like, oh my goodness, we can eliminate all of the hassle factor. You know, you're not chasing a pre-authorized payment form before they'll instruct. You know, you're not chasing, you're missing page seven of the AGM minutes that has the insurance coverages. We can't instruct until you send it, right? The private deals I find them significantly easier, and there was absolutely no resources out there for private lending. It made me crazy. You cut your teeth on every hard file. I, my initial entrance into the business, I would never say no. You got a four sixty five beacon? Let's talk. Right. there might be a solution here somewhere. And so, I'm actually rolling out a private lending course, the Private Mortgage Academy, to address this issue because it's something I've been going right.
1: crazy for for years. Right. Interesting. Cool. So tell me about if somebody they come to you and they think they're a. But they're really be break it to me gently. How do you tell me that I'm not actually going to be a and that you build trust and I don't want to go somewhere else and get a second opinion?
0: Well, I'm not a touchy-feely guy. I'm pragmatic, probably
1: to a fault. I yep. tell people That's okay. so I, I'm the same way. Yeah.
0: I'm very direct about it. If I listen to somebody and you know, they'll say to me, There's little catchphrases, you know, like, oh, I had some problems with this credit card. It's like, whoa, whoa, stop. That's the central problem now. <laughs> yeah. Let's pull that out. So like I'll give you an example of just a file that came to me on Friday. They said to me, you know, she used to work as an office manager, making an X amount of dollars, but she's currently off on an ICBC supported wage while she's going through treatment. No return to work deadline date, but within two years. Sons is an electrician. He can become a journeyman, but he's in school at the moment. He's not actually working. And there's a little bit of credit hassles and whatnot in there as well some debts, but they've got this big block of cash from inheritance. And I looked at all over. I can't make this deal work for the amount that they're trying to borrow on the A side under any circumstances. And even the B kind of alternative lenders, it might fit there, a couple of them. So I said to the woman in the process, I said like she was aware that this was a challenging time for her to be buying. She didn't come up thinking like, hey, don't worry about it, we got it covered. She -hmm. she did say that we do have some challenges. And I said to her, I go, I wanna be direct with you. I don't think you're going to be qualifying for a bank mortgage at this point in time. But I know that you're afraid of these rising prices. And you're afraid that if you don't get in now, you're going to be paying $60,000 more for the same house next year or whatever it is, because they were looking mm-hmm. for about a $700,000 house. And I said, but I can offer you a solution. And it'll look like this. It's going to require this amount down. which was the 40% in this case. It's going to have this rate. And this is the payment. But that will get you into the place. But how do you feel about that payment? She went, oh, that's not so bad. And so we're proceeding with that application now on the basis that she's going to go to one of the alternative lenders to move her back over. But I'm very clear with it and I'm always solutions driven with offering payment. The rate actually didn't come into the initial discussion. I just wanted to hit her with the payment and leave that out there. Cause if the payment's too big. What are we
1: doing? There's no yeah, point. there's no point. People live in the payment anyway. They live in their monthly payments. They don't live in the interest rate. Okay, so that's really good. And then if somebody wants to do more B business, can you think of like a couple piece pieces of advice or somebody who's like, yeah, I like this niche. Maybe I've done some of it. What would you suggest? That's what i
0: said earlier about early in my career is just don't say no dig through the file and figure out because a lot of times you'll start talking to a client and you're looking at them and their credit score is you know low 600s and they're trying to put five percent down but their spouse has a great credit score but the spouse doesn't have the income and you've got one of these kind of competing files and if a busy broker gets the file and they look at the 607 beacon they just go man, throw it on the pile too hard to deal with right now well I dig into these matters all the time, and I start asking, like, is there family here? Could it be a cosigner? Is there somebody that could actually be giving you a bit more money to get you into the alternate space and then protect themselves by coming on title? It's trying to find out and be willing to work for it. Like none of us like adding a cosigner because, especially if the cosigner makes a bunch of money, they probably got a bunch of other properties, and we just amplified our workload.
1: Oh, yeah, you increase the complexity.
0: Oh yeah, big time. And so it's just a matter of presenting any possible solution, even if it's expensive even as one of these private lenders are charging high rates, there's certain times that it fits for the client. If the solution works, then go for it. And I will tell realtors too, like I'll be talking about certain things and I'll say, Hey, if you're talking to a person that says, Oh, they don't think they can buy because they're just out of bankruptcy, but they're out of bankruptcy. That's still a good file. There's still lenders that will right. look at it day after discharge kind of stuff. And uh, down payment trumps everything, right? If you've got enough down payment, I don't care what your credit history is. We'll find something. So is it what you want? Is it the, you know, 2.34 special? No, but it'll be something.
1: Right. Okay. So first thing I pick up from that is ask more questions. So there might be a solution. You started asking questions of families or other like resources that you can bring to this, you know, application. The second one was down payment is critical. So that's going to be a needle mover for most people. Is there anything else that you'd say that people need to be aware of if they want to do more B business? Where do you find it? Like, how do I find more of those deals. So it's like, okay, I know how to do them. But you know, somebody's in Toronto or somewhere, and they're like, I want to find that business, what would you suggest?
0: Well, I don't really directly advertise. So I'm not going to speak to where to find those deals precisely. Although people that are in any of these kind of real estate investment networks and networking groups and stuff like that are a good source of alternative loans. I always just listen to what the people are saying and dig for details. Two sources of B business for me that I always forget were bankruptcy trustees. I've just met them in social occasions and talked to them. And I've said, like, I always tell them this story. We've probably all seen a credit bureau where you see a person's got a bankruptcy on there and you look and it says liabilities, nine grand. And I go, what? You were at a place in your life where nine grand forced you into bankruptcy mm-hmm. or forty grand or whatever. And I think, oh, my goodness, oh, this small amount. And so I'll say to the trustees, I'm like, we might have other solutions here for these people if they've got home equity, because sometimes they'll have big home equity and they're talking about a consumer proposal. So all these people in those circumstances, they're huge. The bankruptcy trustees as referral sources
1: for the B side. Right. I see. So, but the trustee, they only get paid when they actually put you through, you know, their process. Are they going to be okay referring you to somebody that has a $15,000 outstanding debt that you could wipe out with a second mortgage or something?
0: The two guys that I deal with, they prefer them to me just out of like moral strength, I guess, you know, they're looking at it. Right,
1: kind of, right. They're just doing the right thing for the client. So that's the kind of person you want to align yourself with.
0: Yeah. And on the flip side of things also, there's people when they come to me, I look at them and I'm like, you don't have the home equity to consolidate these debts. You need a consumer proposal or something else. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it can
1: work both ways. So it can be like, and do you refer people to them? Absolutely. There's no payment between us. Like we don't pay fees. It's just right. It's just what's it's best there. for the client. Sometimes they're going to go It works. So if you're listening to this, you want more B business trustees, but try to make it a two way where you're pushing business back and forth, depending on what the client needs.
0: I'll give you another one is accountants. Okay. Because accountants, like in our business, I joke about this all the time. The three worst words, a client's telling you the story, it sounds really good. And they go, oh, here's the thing. I leave a lot of my money in my company because I don't want to pay taxes on it. While there's some of our primary lenders, we're not allowing us to use net income after taxes. And it's kind of, it's normalized again, but it's still a weak application of that income versus I have a woman who's a... um equine trainer. So she trains horses and whatnot. And she makes reasonably good money in her top line revenue, but she writes it all down with business use of home and all the stuff to the point where she makes no money. She's a perfect alternative lending client. Mm-hmm. And so advice to people is don't look at the tax documents only. As soon as it's conventional, you got to start looking at alternatives. The moment you know the person's got 20% equity or 20% down, get bank statements because mm-hmm. start looking at those programs. Are They're easy, frankly, to get things right. through
1: bank statement accounts. Okay. That's awesome. So this has been really helpful, Rowan, to, to chat with you to know about sort of speed is your superpower, be solutions driven. And then you gave us some advice in terms of, you know, if somebody wants to do more, be business or get better at it. So where can people find you online? It's just rowansmith.ca this
0: is my uh, my website. I don't have a particularly active business social media.
1: I've just started to, yeah, to do it. That's because you're on your phone. So
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> that is true. Right? I, I do, if you're I on your phone, man. That- like the phone is still a killer app, I think, but that's just me. That's awesome. Well, great to get to know you a little bit, and thanks again for taking the time. Okay, thank you. Hey, Ruben. welcome to Ask the Experts. So you're one of the founders of ddid.ca. It's a crazy, amazing service that we've talked about on another show. But today on Ask the Expert segments, the question really is, what is a virtual closing? Because I think some mortgage brokers may not be clear on this. So maybe let's jump into that. How would you define what a virtual closing is?
2: Hey, Scott, thanks for having me. So a virtual closing is essentially being able to close your transaction. So everybody knows the drill in terms of having the deal go to a lawyer or law firm in order to formalize all the documents, get the documents signed by the borrower and report back to the lender. A virtual closing means all of that is done virtually through video-based technology instead of having to essentially... Have a meeting with a lawyer, go through piles of paperwork, sign them in what we call wet ink, and then be able to courier them back to the lender in most cases or send them to various other sources. So it's entirely done from anywhere that's convenient for the borrower to sign. And all they need to do is literally join a meeting room and Go through a video stream. So can you need-
1: give me an example of somebody, can you think of a client who signed for a transaction like maybe in one area, but they weren't even in town or because you literally could sign in your pajamas, you know, as long as you have a shirt on technically, right? Is that correct?
2: Absolutely. You know, so we've had clients sign literally from anywhere and everywhere. So we've had a couple of weeks ago a client literally signed while driving a Tesla or I guess self-driving a Tesla on his car screen. We had people sign documents. That's insanity. So he
1: literally signed his okay. Maybe that way he should be pulled over, but like that's right. insanity. So he signed in a Tesla. He bought a house. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. Now, that's crazy.
2: You also have a lot of those situations, Scott, where the borrowers are not in the same location so we had someone again that was unfortunately stuck in India due to the travel ban she wasn't able to make it back her husband was still here and they needed to close a mortgage and we were able to get both of them on a virtual signing session get that deal signed and get that deal funded
1: right okay so they can do it all virtually through the technology that you guys have developed like it sounds like something that should have existed for a long time but i think covid has forced this adoption faster? You know, some lenders are like, yeah, I like that idea, but I won't let you do it. Or are lenders keen to let you use this?
2: So a couple of things happened when COVID first hit, and those were discussions that were originally on the table from two sides. One is the regulators, such as the law societies in the different provinces. And of course, the lenders ultimately have to accept virtually commissioned documents. From a regulatory perspective, We got the green light back in March under emergency orders. And since then, it's turned permanent in Ontario and Alberta In other provinces, hopefully coming on board as well for this practice to become permanent. The lender community has just been incredible in terms of adopting digital signatures, in terms of adopting virtually commissioned documents. From our perspective, we work with most of the lenders and most of the lenders have allowed digital signings and virtual closings to happen.
1: Right. And we're talking big banks, small. I think when we were talking before, it was only some of the really smaller sort of private mic lenders that you weren't actually currently working with, but everybody else is fair game.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. So then what if a client's not tech savvy? So, I mean, mortgage process is becoming a lot more technical so for the most part people should have some idea of how using zoom rooms and links and but like what if somebody's not tech savvy how is the actual experience for the client
2: so we always say if you are able to join a zoom call like for example my parents are in their late 70s and their first foray into zoom was actually during the pandemic that's how we all got together as a family Mm -hmm. if you can use zoom You can do a virtual closing with us. It's that easy. You get a link, you click it, you're in the session and you really don't need to do anything else. The other part that we see is a lot of brokers are actually uh, helping out their clients. So they'll come into the broker's office, they'll pop open the computer, 15, 20 minutes later, all the documents are signed. And again, that client has a much easier and a safer experience, even though they might not be very tech savvy.
1: Right. Okay. So if you had to, what is the pricing like on this? Is it about the same as a traditional signing? Is it like, what have you noticed?
2: It's actually a little bit less, Scott, because what we've noticed is a lot of what's typically being used, like for example, photocopies and printing and couriers and things like that are costs that are incurred when you're not doing a fully digital closing. Because we're doing it digitally and there's literally not a single printer in our entire operation, those savings are actually passed on to the client. So they're not paying for the photocopies and the courier charges and so on, which typically ends up being about fifteen to twenty percent cheaper on their overall legal bill.
1: Right, that makes a lot of sense. And then the other thing I could see it being cheaper. So let's say you've got two people that are in different locations that both need to sign. One lawyer preps the doc signs, sends them to the next. You got two meetings, two signings. You know the cost goes up significantly. Whereas like you said, is there a difference if one person's in India and one person's in? Canada, or is the price the same? How does that work if you, like- not
2: at all? Yeah, the price is exactly the same. And again, especially nowadays where we're seeing some deals that have four, five, six different borrowers that are getting on a mortgage or co signing that need to sign, the whole process makes it super easy. All we need to do is coordinate a single time and everybody gets on. All they need to do is click a link. And in fact, the cost is much lower.
1: Right. Yeah. Actually, I was talking to Ron Butler, if you know who he is, but he was saying that the number of applicants, he said, it'd be interesting to know the lenders, how many more applicants are on files, because the way people are able to borrow more now is they go, I can't get a place. Okay, who can I bring up my family members, friends. So we're going to see a trend of way more borrowers on the average file, according to Ron, and I actually, I do believe him on that. Mm -hmm. And so having something like a virtual signing, where trying to get everybody's calendar to line up to click on a link is way easier than trying to get them, you know, or you have to go to multiple offices, multiple signings. And so I can see that being really useful for people. Last question, I know that we're going to talk about this more because you're going to be on as a regular feature talking about sort of things people need to know about using virtual signings as one of our experts. But if people are listening to this and they want to try it out, where do they go find you?
2: So you can find us at www.deed.ca. That's deed with an E-D at the end, C-A. And we've got uh, all our pricing and all our information on our website. We've also got technology specific to brokers that allows you to monitor and track the entire transaction and get notified as your client goes through the closing experience
1: right on the next ask the experts we'll talk about that we'll talk about the actual process of like how that experience works so that people can kind of get a sense of it so that makes a lot of sense awesome thank you reuben appreciate it man so if you're listening to this and you're like hey i'd like to check this out go to deeded.ca and yeah avoid the trip to the lawyer's office you know and probably save money at the same time so it's awesome this is an i love mortgage brokering production